chapter two of the house of mystery by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain the girl in the picture so far as she knew madeline had never ridden in a real carriage before she sat in this one as in a dream she had noted on entering the crest and coat of arms upon the door the coachman in his powdered wig upon the box the pair of grand bay horses in their glittering harness and now as she leaned back among the yielding cushions realizing for the first time in her life what perfect cushions really were she wondered if she was playing a part in some strange fairy tale whose carriage was this why was she in it where was it bearing her little information could be gleaned from the courteous old gentleman who sat with such demure decorum on the seat in front of her so affected indeed was she by the surprising nature of the position in which she found herself that she hardly dared to question him where are you taking me she asked to the countess of staines not only were the words uttered in a tone of the most exquisite deference but they were accompanied by a slight obeisance and yet in spite of herself madeline trembled the countess of staines one of the greatest and grandest ladies in england madeline's knowledge of the peerage did not extend very far but she did know so much what she timidly inquired can the countess want with me it will be explained when we arrive have patience i entreat you he held out his hands towards her with a little gesture of deprecation as if he were imploring her to show him mercy she asked him nothing else perceiving that she would receive no other answer but as the luxurious vehicle rolled swiftly forward on its pneumatic tires she was conscious that her companion's eyes were fixed on her all the time with something in them as it seemed to her of wonder reverence entreaty ay even of fear the carriage stopped before a wide flight of steps which led up to a huge mansion at the corner of a spacious square in an instant the carriage door was open she was being escorted by a footman up the steps under cover of an enormous umbrella the great hall door had flown open as by magic she found herself entering a lofty hall and being received as if she were a princess by gorgeous footmen on either hand her companion followed on her heels when they were in he reverentially inclined towards her his head and said in a whisper which could have been audible to herself alone may i entreat you to come this way he led she followed up a magnificent staircase round corners through corridors on and on and on till she wondered how big the house could be she had never supposed that there were such houses except in the occupation of kings and queens he paused at a door at the panel of which he tapped a voice within said come in he opened the door retaining the handle in his grasp bowing madeline through it 
she entered in a maze of doubt as to what it was that she expected she found herself in a spacious chamber which reminded her in the first flush of perception of the arabian nights never out of a fairy tale had she imagined that a room could be furnished with such singular nay such barbaric magnificence the colour scheme in itself was dazzling purple gold and crimson wherever she looked these gorgeous hues either alone or in more or less subtle combination flashed on her startled eyes in all the richest stuffs of the world's remotest and most famous looms the carpet was of purple velvet of a pile so rich that it covered her ankles it had a golden border and right in the centre like a blob of blood was a spot of crimson of the diameter perhaps of the palm of a man's hand and exactly on this spot either by accident or set purpose there stood a woman who was as little in keeping with her surroundings as she easily could have been she was of advanced age probably between sixty and seventy her hair which was worn in plain straight old-fashioned bands was of silver whiteness her dress was of simple unrelieved black silk except that at the wrists she wore turned-back cuffs of snowy lawn her homely wrinkled face was beautiful it was so sweet and gentle and in the eyes which were still clear and bright there was a look of such tenderness and peace and yet it was obvious that at the moment she was troubled as madeline entered she came forward with a quick eager appealing anxious movement which was pregnant with meaning she stood and stared at madeline and as she stared her amazement seemed to grow until she became as it were rooted to the floor charles she exclaimed is it a ghost or is it she the old gentleman who was thus addressed as charles gave a reverent gesture upwards with his hand he too stood at the woman's side and looked at madeline it's a miracle one of god's own she echoed his words it is a miracle indeed and one of god's own the curious couple continued to stare presently the woman advanced with outstretched hands my dear my dear my dear there was such a wealth of love in the words in the tone in which they were uttered in the attitude of the utterer that it went straight to madeline's poor starved heart never had such a wealth of affection been bestowed on her she would have given the world to rush into the outstretched arms and to pillow her weary head upon that sheltering breast but the conviction that she was that she must be the victim of some singular mistake and that this tenderness could not from the very nature of things really be meant for her trammelled her limbs she shrank back doubtfully i am sure she said that there is some very strange mistake that i am not the person you suppose i am nothing and no one at all a penniless and a friendless girl as she spoke the old lady clapped her hands with a little cry of rapture she turned to the old gentleman it is her voice her very voice as you say it is indeed a miracle is it not did i not tell you truly is it not incredible 
who would have thought that god would have given two such creatures to the world and yet he has indeed and indeed he has again she advanced towards madeline who again shrank back my dear do not shrink from me there is no mistake i assure you there is none it's only one of god's miracles that's all come you must let me dress you the time passes the countess will be waiting feeling quite incapable of argument although still persuaded that there was an error somewhere and an amazing one madeline suffered the old lady to lead her into a room it was a bedroom but such a bedroom as had never entered within the four corners of even her wildest dreams the walls were hung with pale pink satin the curtains bed hangings carpet furniture coverings were of the faintest shade of faint light blue the wardrobes of which to madeline's unaccustomed eyes there were a surprising number were of creamy white as was the wash-hand stand and the dressing-table to madeline it seemed that this must be the very habitation of some fairy queen to add to her bewilderment without asking her permission by so much as a word the old lady commenced to remove her worn and shabby clothing what are you doing to me she inquired with faint remonstrance undressing you my dear you must have a bath it will do you good presently she found herself being led to still another apartment where was a bath of snow-white marble filled with perfumed water into this willingly enough she plunged the touch of the water was delicious she gave great sighs of satisfaction her wearied body seemed momentarily to revive every instant the warm eager blood of youth flowed swifter through her veins when she rose from the bath a realization of the perfect beauty of which painters only dream she felt like a new creature the old lady returning to assist her with her toilet held up her hands my dear my dear how lovely you are i had never thought that god would have made two of his creatures so beautiful but indeed his powers are infinite at this outspoken praise madeline blushed a rosy red which the old lady promptly noted ah there you're different at last she never blushed never in all her life madeline was returned to the bedroom where she was enshrined in garments the like of which she had never supposed the existence she had all a young girl's natural love for delicate apparel but this was something altogether beyond even the range of her young heart's imaginings everything was fashioned of the finest and most delicate hued silks and trimmed with a liberal appreciation of what trimmings ought to be with the costliest laces she realized very quickly that this old lady was putting a fortune on her back that is in money value as much as she would be likely to earn and more if she worked mrs griffith's typewriters her whole life long had she indeed suddenly become a fairy princess and was this wonderland while she was in the very middle of her toilet an incident occurred which showed that even if she was in the realms of romance she was still within the reach of disagreeable possibilities 
all at once the bedroom door was opened and without any sort of warning someone entered her back was towards the door she was seated in a chair at the moment and the old lady was doing her hair it was the first time it had ever been done by any person but herself as the door opened the old lady gave it a dexterous twist so that its luxuriant abundance served to effectually conceal her countenance and at the same moment her deft attendant whispered in her ear don't look round it's the lady hildegard answer her as shortly as you can madeline did as she was bid realizing as she kept her face averted what a false position it was she occupied a strident feminine voice addressed her from behind so you have returned i thought you had gone for good madeline faintly replied remembering the old lady's injunction in a voice which despite herself was tremulous yes i have returned and in a milder mood it seems your voice is not quite so loud pitched as when i heard it last the speaker's own voice was loud pitched enough in all conscience i hope that the milder mood will continue to prevail it had better for your own sake i promise you if you are not careful the number of your escapades will reach one too many there is a limit to conrad's patience as well as to mine although you may not think so i've only to tell him of one or two passages with which i am acquainted and he would be as willing to connect himself with a woman of the street as with you it seemed that the speaker had gone for the door had banged but she immediately returned by the way the countess will be ready for you shortly mind you're ready for her and disposed to behave yourself better than you have done of late she has been making inquiries about certain little episodes which we have found it difficult to satisfy i promise you her patience is waning fast once more the door banged this time it seemed that the strident voiced lady had gone for good madeline trembling in every limb turned her crimsoned face towards the old lady who still wrought deftly with the glories of her hair tell me what is the meaning of all this why have you brought me here the old lady strove to calm her hush my dear hush i will tell you all about it if you will keep still if you are not careful you will tangle your hair what does it matter about my hair i've always done it for myself and i can do it still leave it alone and tell me first why you have introduced me to a stranger's house why you are putting on me another person's things if you are proposing that i should play a part in some scheme of organized deception which i am beginning to suspect you are i tell you plainly that i will have no hand in it my life does not move in the same orbit as that of countesses but my honour is as dear to me as if it did at all and every cost i will keep it stainless and unspotted from the world in her excitement madeline had risen from her seat and stood with the magnificent splendour of her radiant hair streaming loose over her lovely shoulders facing her gentle-mannered attendant as if she were an accusing spirit the old lady shook her head and looked at her with a suspicious something gleaming in her kindly eyes my dear my dear you're even like her in your temper it's a miracle indeed 
like who who am i like and what is a miracle say plainly what you mean i will if you will sit down and let me finish your hair i cannot talk quietly to you my dear while you are raging at me with your hair all down your back it isn't in human nature sit down and let me finish and while i'm doing so i will tell you all there is to tell as plainly as you yourself can wish and answer all the questions you may choose to ask very well said madeline and sat down now tell me everything and first of all who did that lady take me for my dear you are miss maud dorincourt miss maud dorincourt madeline whirled round on her chair only the old lady's dexterity saved her from pulling a handful of the girl's hair out by the roots i'm nothing of the kind i'm madeline orme my dear if you are so hasty you will make me do some mischief to your beautiful hair the old lady's manner was as placid as the other's was the reverse my dear at present you are miss maud dorincourt the speaker resumed the task of arranging the other's shining locks as collectedly as if nothing beyond the merest commonplaces were being exchanged and once more the girl interrupted the proceedings by springing from her seat i am not miss maud dorincourt neither now nor at any other time what nonsense are you talking will you explain still the other's manner showed no symptoms of being ruffled if you will permit me that is just what i wish to do but how can i if you keep stopping me sit still and try and be a little patient child thus urged the girl again resumed her place and the other her task her deaf fingers never ceasing although her tongue kept wagging there was in her tone as she proceeded a pathetic a piteous something which in spite of herself melted her listener's perhaps too susceptible heart there is a great calamity threatening a noble house it is to prevent its coming that my husband has brought you here was that your husband who came to mrs griffith's that is he his name is charles singleton he is the house steward i am miss maud's own maid we have been here all our lives long before miss maud was born in her mother's time when her mother was a child mrs singleton paused it seemed strange to hear this gentle yet dignified old dame speak of herself as somebody's maid she went on with a curious yet eloquent simplicity we loved miss maud charles and i as if she were our own child ay better than our lives the countess is her grandmother her mother was the countess's only child her mother made a marriage which displeased the countess and for which she never was forgiven it was only after she was dead that miss maud was brought to the house and then i believe it was as much to spite lady hildegard as anything else that was lady hildegard fanshawe who was in here just now she is the mother of the present earl of staines and the niece by marriage of the countess this house is the countess's and the earl who has only the title is a very poor man the countess on the contrary is very rich and she has announced that she intends to leave all she has to her granddaughter miss maud but only on condition that she marries her cousin the earl mrs singleton paused to sigh miss maud 
is a very flighty young lady god forgive me that i should ever say it to a stranger but she has been badly used among them they want to treat her as if she were a sawdust figure without natural likes and dislikes and miss maud won't have it she has kept putting off saying whether she will or won't marry the earl and at last she has disappeared mrs singleton's voice quavered she almost broke down disappeared cried madeline yes disappeared lady hildegard thinks that she only went out this morning to annoy her grandmother who hates her going out alone but she went last night but where did she go to charles and i have our suspicions and i especially have mine she has told me more than once that she was going but i pretended not to believe her and now she has been as good as her word and gone there is a music-man about the place who is no better than he ought to be and i fear that he knows more about miss maud's disappearance than he should anyhow the chief thing to be done is to keep her absence from her grandmother the countess would think no more of turning her out penniless into the streets than nothing she would serve her as she served her mother but how are you going to prevent her finding out you are going to do that i yes you if you are the kind-hearted young lady i take you to be but you are mad how am i a perfect stranger to do this altogether impossible thing it's in this way charles was going out early this morning to make certain inquiries when he saw as he thought miss maud in front of him she was not dressed as miss maud is generally dressed but still he made no doubt that it was she he followed to see where she went and to his surprise she passed through a doorway within which it was announced were the offices of a certain typewriting company he came back and told me what he had seen it's not miss maud i said i don't believe it is miss maud you see i had reasons of my own for my belief but whoever it is fetch her here quickly and let me have a look at her the countess has been inquiring for miss maud the old lady's in one of her tempers and if the child can't be found heaven alone knows what the result will be well he fetched you mrs singleton's hands obviously quivered and her voice quivered with them my dear when i saw you i could scarcely believe my own eyes you are miss maud's own double in colour height figure features voice and bearing you are as like her as one pea is like another were you dressed alike and in the same room together there would be continual confusion as to which was which i have known my darling all her life yet when you were in the bath just now had i come upon you unawares i could have sworn that you were she it's one of god's own miracles it's nothing else why see her very dresses fit you as if they had been made for you while the old lady had been talking her nimble fingers had been fitting on to the bewildered and unresisting madeline a dress of some shimmering green material which the girl could not but admit to herself as she surveyed the outlines of her perfect figure in the cheval glass which was in front of her did fit her like a glove before she could collect her thoughts sufficiently to reply mrs singleton continued what i want you to do my dear is to behave as if you were miss maud until the child herself returns which may be to-day to-morrow any minute of any hour to save a noble house from shame and a hot-headed child 
from the too cruel consequences of what is after all but a childish freak oh my dear dear young lady to madeline's horror mrs singleton actually sank on her knees and the tears streamed down her cheeks we are only servants my husband and i but we are neither so poor nor so helpless as you may think if you do the thing i beg of you there is nothing of ours which shall not be yours for the asking even to our heart's blood get up my dear creature you must not kneel to me madeline raised the old lady willy-nilly to her feet i am persuaded that you are under some strange misapprehension that the resemblance which exists between miss dorincourt and me is at the best but superficial the imposture would be detected in a moment you think so as to that you shall yourself decide come and you shall see mrs singleton led the way into the adjacent chamber the room of purple crimson and gold stand there look in front of you mrs singleton directed the girl to stand on a certain designated spot facing the wall and perhaps some four or five feet from it the old lady stretched out her arm and touched what was probably some hidden spring the golden crimson curtain was drawn aside madeline found herself confronted by a mirror which was as tall as herself apparently the spring was touched again the mirror revolved again and again there was another revolution mrs singleton's arm went back to her side the mirror ceased to revolve the hanging returned to its place well she inquired what do you think of that i don't understand you what do i think of what i suppose it is a revolving mirror that is all you think so observe once more again the hanging was withdrawn again the mirror was exposed there was the young girl's lovely person reflected with flattering fidelity in the silver glass again the spring was touched the mirror revolved there again was the reflection the old lady was regarding the original with a quizzical something in her kindly eyes well she repeated what do you think of that the situation seemed to puzzle madeline she glanced at the inquirer askance mrs singleton laughed outright move aside she said madeline did and wonder of wonders although she herself had moved her image remained mirrored in the glass why she exclaimed however's that don't you see you goose that it isn't you at all it's miss maud miss maud yes it's her portrait painted in the very dress that you've got on it's one of her whims now watch the figure of the girl revolved a plain mirror took its place you see that's what you looked at first you saw yourself reflected in it then i turned it round like that you saw miss maud's portrait painted on a mirror and you still believed it to be your own reflection if you cannot tell her from yourself then who do you suppose is likely to be able to madeline drew nearer to what she now perceived was indeed a portrait the resemblance to herself was marvellous the girl looked at her out of a mirror exactly as her own image had done a second ago it seemed incredible that the portrait was not actually her own the painter had caught one of her favourite poses every detail of her face and figure as faithfully as if she herself had been his subject it is like me she murmured it is it's wonderfully like like you cried mrs singleton it is you even granting it do you think it is exactly modest to stare at your own portrait as if it were the most wonderful thing the world contains the words came from someone who had taken advantage of their preoccupation 
to enter the room unnoticed madeline immediately recognizing in the owner of the voice her previous visitor she remembered mrs singleton had spoken of her as lady hildegard fanshawe she felt as startled she turned and regarded the first member of the aristocracy she ever to her knowledge had set eyes upon that miss dorincourt after all might stand excused if she had run away to avoid spending too many of the days of her youth in lady hildegard's society the lady before her was short and broad and not so much fat as thick her head was large her jaw was square and bovine she had a moustache which a stripling might have envied the bridge of her roman nose was surmounted by the very largest pair of spectacles which madeline had ever seen before a human pair of eyes there was that about them which inevitably suggested that the next stage with this lady would be a piece of string and a dog her scanty gray hair was drawn into a hard knot at the back altogether her appearance proclaimed that she had scant sympathy with those minor graces which have encouraged do so much to brighten the days and the years of our lives the vision of this high-born dame filled madeline with such a sense of aversion that all thoughts of fear were banished unconsciously she drew herself up with that air of dignity which so well became her her eyes sparkled her lips were closer pressed the lady hildegard surveyed her from head to foot as if she were some lay figure i see you have that dress on of which i've already told you that i disapprove good i suppose that's intended for a signal still mutinous eh so the time will come my girl when you shall be taught better manners and soon if you won't bend you shall be broken be sure of it come the countess is waiting for you in the music-room take my advice you will this time if you're not too great a fool be careful of what you do and say the countess the girl shrunk back yes the countess what afraid this is something fresh what have you been doing now i wonder that should give you new cause for fear whatever it is i'll be bound it's no more disgraceful than dozens of things you have done already i know you too well my girl do not think that you deceive me another thing the earl is there and reginald behave to both of them better than you did last time or as i live i'll make you smart for it and that as you never smarted before now come unless terror ties your feet the speaker passed from the room mrs singleton glanced eagerly anxiously at madeline go she murmured my dear i implore you go with her do not be afraid they'll never find you out i'm sure they never will i'm not afraid answered madeline her lips curled as with a scornful smile do not think i am afraid lady hildegard's unprepossessing countenance reappeared in the doorway her voice was more aggressively strident even than before are you coming or do you intend to stop and gossip with singleton all day no cried madeline i am coming now she laughed she alone knew what at and she swept after lady hildegard out of the room looking every inch as much a queen as any that is set upon a throne End of chapter two